glad that you're listening to this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Bonners Ferry Baptist Church and of Pastor Devin Neal. Exodus 13, beginning verse 17. And it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near... For God said, Lest peradventure the people repent when they see war and they return to Egypt. But God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up harnessed out of the land of Egypt. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had straightly sworn the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and ye shall carry up my bones away hence with you. And they took their journey from Succoth and encamped in Etham, in the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, to go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. Now let's go ahead and pray. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name, and I thank you, Lord, for the richness of your word. I do thank you this morning for your presence with us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that when you left this earth, you did not leave us without comfort and without direction and leadership. You gave us your Holy Spirit. And, Lord, uh, because you, Lord, are Lord and God and have no beginning and no end, Lord, all those many years ago, having given your Holy Spirit, we're thankful that you're still with us today in the heart of every believer, as you've promised. Now, Lord, we trust then that you will take the message preached to make application. Lord, please help me to be sensitive to you, that you may have full control and direction of my heart and mind and mouth. And the Lord, I pray in particular, as we've seen in Sunday school, the motive of my heart. Lord, I pray, may I not hinder your working today, but Lord, may I be useful to you to help your people. Lord, to serve you, may we receive your word with open hearts and minds. And as as your word, Lord, is a mirror before us, as there is correction given and rebuke and reproof and exhortation, Lord, I just pray, help us, Lord, to respond in a way that would be pleasing to you May we make that decision now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. In these few verses, if you remember a couple weeks ago, uh, it's been a few weeks ago now because on Resurrection Sunday we focused on the resurrection. We've been coming through uh, the uh, the books of the Old Testament, looking at pictures or types of either the Savior himself, but even more so of salvation, as we see that God has always only had one plan of salvation, and we can look back as New Testament saints We can go back to the Old Testament. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 10, all these things were written for our admonition. And when we can see a portrait of how God deals with us uh, in the Old Testament and spiritual truth there, it helps us discern his leadership in our life today. And so uh, as I look at this text, my, my, my first instinct was to preach specifically and exclusively on the pillar of the cloud by day and the pillar of the fire by night, that is a picture and a type for us, for them. You know what it was? It was a pillar of a cloud by day and a pillar of a fire by night. That's exactly what it was. It was a token to them to remind them that God was with them. What I want us to see, though, I believe the Lord would have us to see this morning, the way he's directed my mind for this morning's message is many times when we think of salvation, we are prone to think of it. And I think some of this has to do with the way it's been preached and taught in our country Uh, I think sometimes to the neglect and the benefit of God's people. I've been saying to you, I'm going to say it again, as saved people, we are often living underneath or below our privileges as Christians. We have so many things 
that are already ours, avail, available to us if we would avail ourselves of them just simply because Jesus Christ is our Savior. Because He's our Savior, He's made unto us righteousness and sanctification and wisdom and everything we need to succeed spiritually. If you're born again this morning, it is yours. We access those things by faith. Our spiritual debit card, if you would, is belief in God's Word. I hate to use that terminology, but we understand it. You want to make a spiritual withdrawal, take one of God's promises and believe it. Take Him at His Word. He's promised to give us wisdom. When you believe James 1.5, as it applies to you, God will give you wisdom in whatever situation you have. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct thy paths. God has said, if you trust me, I'll lead you. And that is a, a promise that is available to the child of God. So you and I have, our, we are spiritually, if we're saved today, we're wealthy. But many times the greatest, the, the, the aspect of salvation is just this, what we've been saved from. And so if I put it to you this morning, we've seen in, in weeks past, we saw the Passover lamb and that through the Passover event, that night, God did two things. He judged Egypt and delivered Israel all at the same time. In one swooping event, he killed the firstborn of the Egyptians, forcing the hand of Pharaoh to release his people, showing that God is God, no man is God, no false God is God, the creator of the universe, Jesus Christ, is God. And when a man looks to him for salvation, God will save him. Uh, the Bible says that the children of Israel had cried out in their bondage, now, remember, before they ever went into Egypt, they had some promises from God that he would make of them a great nation. He had made that promise to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And when the people of, that were in bondage in Egypt, the children of Israel that were in bondage in Egypt, a picture of a person being in bondage to this world, in bondage to sin, cried out, God moved on their behalf, did he not? He raised up a man named Moses as a type of the Lord Jesus Christ, sent him in, demanded that Pharaoh let them go. Pharaoh said, I will not. He said it ten times, and guess what he did? He let them go because they put their faith in Jehovah God and Jehovah God did not disappoint them, did he? Now, many times, many people think of their salvation this way. I am saved from my sin. And that's true. But you realize when God saved you, he did not only save you from the bondage of sin. He saved you not only from being a servant and a slave to sin. He saved you unto righteousness. God is not only our Savior, he's our shepherd. This is what I want us to see this morning. The Lord did not simply smite Egypt release the bonds of, e, of, of the Israelites, lead them out in the wilderness, dump them there and say, good luck. That's what they kept accusing him of, but that's not what he did. God did not simply say, okay, you don't have to build uh, Pharaoh's pyramids anymore or Pharaoh's whatever anymore, making brick as you were, that you were a servant of sin. Now I've released you from his grip. I hope you have a good time figuring out where you're going next. The Lord did not only deliver them from Egypt, he was leading them to Canaan, which is again a picture not so much of heaven. It is a picture of a life lived in victory by faith. Heaven has, it has no enemies. They're all gone from heaven. No sin in heaven. In Canaan there was, but there was victory available. And that way I say, just in introducing this message, when God saved you, He did not only save you from the grip of Satan, He not only saved you from the grip of sin, He saved you unto a life of victory. But you don't get from Egypt to, to, to Canaan on accident. We get from Egypt living in slavery to sin to living in victory over sin by following the Lord's leadership in our lives. Galatians 5.16, This I say then walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill 
the lust of the flesh. That's the two different lives. Before salvation, we lived according to our lust. We sinned because we had to. How many of you think the the Israelites would have been making brick with straw all hours of the day, having to throw their babies away or hide them lest they be slain by choice? They were not living the life they chose. They were living the life Pharaoh chose. Before you got saved, you may have pretended and thought you were living the life you chose. No, you were living the life your sin nature chose, living the life the God of this world chose. When God saved us, he not only delivered us and gave us freedom, but he gives us direction. And what we see in Exodus 13 is God's beginning now to shepherd the people. Think about how differently God dealt with Israel than how Pharaoh dealt with Israel. Pharaoh taxed them, forced them to work, forced them to build his uh, his palaces, forced them to build his life. Their poverty made Pharaoh rich. However, God's riches, and in, eventually in Jesus Christ, his poverty made us rich. What a difference. Pharaoh forced them to work to the, to the destruction of their bodies. God was looking out for the deliverance of their bodies. What we'll find here is God had more power than Pharaoh, and instead of captivating these people and making them do his will, he is leading them according to the wisdom of his heart and mind, his love for them. And I want to see three things in this text this morning that God did for the nation of Israel, Jehovah God did for him that relates to us as Christians, that once you're saved, we're talking about shadows of salvation, the Lord does not simply save you from the shackles of sin and say, good luck living the best life you can. God has a life already planned for you. That life is conformity to his son, Jesus Christ. How many of you know God already had a plan for what he was going to do with Israel after he delivered them out of Egypt? Of course he did. He wanted them to go to Canaan. He said so from the beginning. I'm not just bringing you out of bondage. I'm bringing you into victory. And may I say this this morning, every Christian, if you're you're saved, every person in this room is somewhere on this chart. You are either still a bonded slave to Egypt, meaning you are still serving sin because Jesus Christ has not set you free. If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Ask yourself today, am I a servant to sin or a servant to God? Every person in this room is a servant to one or the other. You're either a servant to Jesus Christ or you're a servant to sin. Now, if I am a servant of Christ still serving sin, that's not on him, that's on me. But here's what I'm saying. You're either in Egypt in bondage to sin or you're on your way from Egypt to Canaan having been delivered from sin but through salvation. The Passover is a picture of when we get saved and you're in your wilderness journey moving from what it was to be a bondman to sin and now learning how to live in victory over sin or you're in Canaan living in victory. So you're either a slave to sin, unsaved, because Christ is not yet saved. You've not yet looked to him to deliver you. Or you've been delivered, but you're now having to learn how to live as a servant, not a slave. Or you've learned as a servant of God to depend on him and overcome your your foes. I want you to think as we begin this message, where am I? Am I back here still in bondage to sin? Satan governs my life. Sin governs my life. Or that's what I was, but God is trying to teach me how to no longer live like a slave, but live like a servant that is willingly serving him and leading, being led by him and following him. Or am I in Canaan overcoming my enemies? None of us is in heaven yet, so we have to be on one of those three places. And as you follow the children of Israel through the wilderness, you'll find uh, that that wilderness journey was a journey between Egypt, where they'd been slaves to sin, and a journey to Canaan where they learned how to be true servants of God. Most people are probably in this room this morning somewhere between Egypt and Canaan land. You've put your trust in Christ. He heard your prayer. He heard your faith. 
and he responded and liberated you from the power of Satan and sin is no longer your master, but you've not learned yet how to use that liberty. You've not yet learned that God is not Pharaoh, he's God, that he loves you. But I want to say this, what God provided for them after releasing them from bondage, God has provided for us. How many of you know, if you've studied the Civil War and the things surrounding it, that the Emancipation Proclamation was a tremendous blessing and yet at the same time a tremendous difficulty for the slaves of, of, of that era. It was both. Because the slaves in that era had only known slavery. That's all they'd ever known. And the Emancipation Proclamation was truly a declaration of liberty from the highest form of human government and gave them their liberty. What a blessing But many had not learned how to use that liberty, and we use that to correlate here. If you study the Israelites, they had to be taught of God what liberty is for. Liberty is not about getting to serve self. That's bondage. Liberty is being freed to serve God. And we see that this morning, that salvation is a liberation, but it's not just a liberation from Egypt. It is a liberation to God. That's what it is. And so then, let's begin here in verse 17. We're going to look at the path God gave his people. God gave the nation of Israel three basic things that he never took from them during their entire wilderness journey. And what I want you to see is that God set them up for success. God set them up to succeed in leaving Egypt behind and heading toward Canaan and establishing them in the land of Canaan. Verse 17, the Bible says, And it came to pass when Pharaoh had... Let the people go. That's their salvation that took place the night of the Passover when God killed Pharaoh's firstborn son. A picture of how God dealt with our old nature, how God dealt with our sin in the person of Jesus Christ. When Christ died on the cross, that first Adam was judged. Our nature was judged. And even so, God dealt with Pharaoh's son and uh, he let them go. And so even, even so, through Christ dealing with our sinful nature on the cross, we've been liberated So it says, and it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God led them. Now they're not not, um, doing what Pharaoh says. Pharaoh has no power over their life anymore. The Bible says that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near, for God said, lest peradventure the people repent when they see war and they return to Egypt. God was serious about them never going back into bondage in Egypt again. God says, if I lead them this way, they are not accustomed to this, to battle. They've been slaves for 400 years. They're not accustomed to warfare. They're not an army. They're more like sheep, like a flock of people. And if they see warfare, they'll go right back and be slaves again. So who kept them from going back to slavery? God did. Do you know how many times Israel would have turned back if God let them? makes me think of John chapter 10, verse 27, 28. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all. No man is able to pluck, pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. No one wanted Israel to be free more than God. God wanted their freedom more than they wanted their freedom. Amen? God had birthed them as a nation. He put them in the kiln of Egypt to purify that nation, to prepare them to be his servants. But when they came out, all they had ever known was bondage. They, had, they did not understand what it was to exercise their own will 
in a course of action and God was mindful of their spiritual state, mindful of where they are. And the Bible says that God put in front of them a path of direction out of Egypt. He's already directing them to the land of Canaan. May I say this? Philippians 1 verse 6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until when? Until the day of Jesus Christ. I encourage every child of God, memorize Philippians chapter 1 verse 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. God dealt with your heart, reproved you of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment before you were born again. When you believed God concerning your sin, and you believed God concerning the righteousness of Jesus Christ, and you believed God concerning the judgment that would come if you entered His presence in your sin instead of the righteousness of Christ, and you believed God enough to put your faith in Jesus Christ, the Bible says, But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that... Believe on His name. When you put your faith in Christ, God delivered you from Egypt and He's not going to let you go back. God will direct in your life in such a way to put the, the, the world of sin and slavery to sin behind you and to put the land of victory in front of you. And we're like the children of Israel. Many a time we feel like it'd be easier to be a slave to sin than a servant to God. But God has provided a path that is based in His care for your soul. The Bible says that the Lord Jesus Christ is the shepherd, one of my favorite verses of the Bible, and bishop of our souls. How many of you know right now God is looking at the path of your life? He delivered you from being a slave to sin in Egypt, the world, and He has for you a life of victory over sin so that you are not servant to sin, but living in the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you're on that path between where you were in Egypt and where God wants you to be as a victorious Christian, and there are times that it can feel like you're on your own. But may I say this? God looks out in front of you, and when He's directing your path, He's going to say, they can't handle that yet. So I'm going to put them over here. How many of us know this? What the Bible is saying is there is a shorter, nearer path to the land of Canaan than the one God took them on. How many of you think, I'm just ready to have the Christian life that gives me joy. We read the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Now, the, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Boy, how many of us, that, that sounds good, doesn't it? And against such things there is no ninefold fruit of the Spirit. That is likened to the children of Israel heard, there's a land of milk and honey. It's not like Egypt here where you're working your fingers to the bone and you are demanded things you can never produce. And no matter how much you want to love your family, Pharaoh is always demanding more of you. That's what sin does. It always demands more and more and more until it consumes you. And Moses comes along and preaches, Hey, God's willing to deliver you from that life of slavery and give you a land where milk and honey flow, where there's love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and meekness and patience and temperance. And man, doesn't that sound wonderful? And you read John 15 about the fruitful Christian life. And how many of us think, I want to be saved today and bearing all that fruit tomorrow? But how many of you know what Jesus said? The recipe to fruit bearing is abiding. Abiding gives us the concept of time. It's a concept of a process. Your salvation was not a process. It was instantaneous. Please understand that. If you are listening to preaching that tells you the salvation from sin is a process, 
That is a, it is a perversion of the word of God. God calls salvation a birth, not a journey. Your Christian life is a journey. Your course for God is a journey. How long did it take God to get Israel out of Egypt? Six months or that fast? It was, an, it was a moment. It was an instant. The Lord said, remember the, the month you come out of Egypt or remember the day? Remember the day. You know why? Because it was a birth. In a night, a nation was birthed had come out of Egypt, but your growth spiritually is a process wherein you have to abide, meaning you have to be loyal to the word of God and walk with him. Don't, don't get out of fellowship with him. He's going to lead you to that victory. You know what you have to do to go from being a bondman in Egypt to being a victor in Canaan? Follow God's leadership one day at a time. That's it. Follow God's leadership one day at a time. There were a number of people that came out of Egypt but never went into Canaan. How many of us know what kept them out of Canaan? God? Did God keep them from the land of victory? Did God keep them from from possessing the life that he had planned for them? A life on earth where they're enemies but they were overcoming? What kept them out of Canaan land? Hebrews chapter 3 and 4 tell us. Unbelief. They didn't trust God Once God has delivered you from the bondage of sin, he is working already to lead you into the land of victory. But what's going to be necessary on our part is trust. And if there's anything the intent of this message is this morning is to help us recognize God began a good work in you and he saved you. And he is actively working in your life right now, not to simply leave you and say, do your best. But he has a life in this life planned for you, a life of victory, not a life of wealth and health but a life of spiritual conquest, that's God's purpose for you. John 10 outlines it this way. He says, if any man come to me, he will will be saved. I'm paraphrasing. In John 10, he talks about the fold. He'll be saved and he'll go in and out and find pasture. Meaning, if Christ is your Savior and Christ is your shepherd, you will have the protection of the fold. You will have freedom to go in and out and your soul will be satisfied. Now, what was the number one complaint? I'm getting just a little ahead of myself, but as the children of Israel would go through Egypt, what was one of their number one complaints, one of the number one things they murmured about? One of God's provision? We're going to die. There's no water. How many know that they never thirsted to death? But they were always fretting that God wouldn't take care of them. Always fretting that God wouldn't take care of them. And if if they could have seen what we can see this morning, they would have realized they had nothing to fret about if god has the power to save you from sin and to save you from hell doesn't he have the wisdom to guide and direct and lead your life now many a person has trusted god to save them from the condemnation of hell but they just won't trust him to govern their everyday living and what i want you to see this morning is the care of god in the path that he chose for his people Today, the Bible tells us, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. The verse prior to that says, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in. There's two key words at the end of that verse, due time. You know what? God's care for his people was manifest in him taking them on a longer route than they would have ever chosen. We are an instantaneous-minded people, as I think most people are. We want, let me put it this way, and it's not a message on finance, not a message on debt, but you know why debt is so high in America? Because we're an impatient people that want the blessing of 20 years of labor in one year. 
I want to buy today what I should have to save for 20 years. So we're bondage. We're in bondage. God is a God of process. He's a God of order. He's a God of time. And so I'll just use that as one example. The indebtedness of our country is we want the benefit of things that take 100 years, but we want it 10 years. It's one of the reasons we get in trouble as pastors in churches. We want a, a healthy church. We want to figure out how to shortcut the process. Right? It's a process. And so the fact is God in His care, the Bible says, led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines. As you'll see on a map, there was a lot shorter map to Canaan land than God took them on. There's a lot shorter map for you and the life that God has planned for you than you may be wanting to take. But trust God's leadership. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is, as we heard in song this morning, God is faithful. Don't lose me this morning, please. We get disgruntled with God because His path is not the path we would choose. We get, a, we get in a hurry. We want to go faster. But I just want us to see that once God got Israel out of Egypt, He did not fail to lead them. He immediately, proactively went to leading them in the path that was best for them. And though there was a shorter path to, to Canaan, it would not have resulted in victory. It would have resulted in retreat. And so then, God's care was manifest for His people in the path that He led them in and the course that He chose for them. We must understand this. The course of our life is not one we choose, one, it's one God chooses. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, turn there with me if you would. Hebrews chapter 12, we'll come back to this before the message is over. But the Bible says we have a course set before us. A course set before us. He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. If you're saved this morning, God has pardoned you from your sins and through that pardon released you from the control of Satan and sin on your life so that you are now free. You don't have to look forward to hell. You get to look forward to heaven. That truth and reality of your salvation results in God leading your life, leading you not from somewhere but to somewhere And that place is victory in your life, victory over lust, victory over pride, victory over the way of this world, to live in in, an obedience to God. Hebrews chapter 12 says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Meaning someone else said, This is your course, run it. In this instance, God chose a path, and don't, Don't get upset with the Lord when His path is not the path we would have chosen. You can see as you read in Exodus 14, the Lord not only took them the longer way. So you think about any area of your life, and if you this morning are a bit frustrated with your Christian experience, for lack of a better word, you say, you know what, I expected that to be saved would look like this. I expected to be saved was milk and honey and vibrant land and and, and abundant satisfaction of my soul and it's more like water and bread how many of us said come over to my house this afternoon we'll feed you a good meal it will it will strengthen you and enable you to do your daily task and you like oh hey pastor's saying come over for a meal i wonder what we're having today and you come over and i put a loaf of white bread and a pitcher of water on the table you might be well that wasn't really what i expected What I'm saying is this, the Lord immediately set to leading the nation of Israel once he liberated them, but the way he led them is not the way we would expect. The the very context of the scripture tells us that. We always would think shortest is best. How many of you know in God's leadership in your life, you thought you were headed here and all of a sudden God said, no, you're going over here. 
And you thought, man, I thought that I would be serving God in a greater capacity by now. I, I thought that I would have more satisfaction by now. And the way the Lord's leading me is in kind of a dry, drab way of living. You know what the Lord wanted the people of Israel to learn? He wanted them to learn to find satisfaction in him, not in what he provided. The way of Egypt was you find satisfaction in what you see, feel, and touch. God has created us to find our satisfaction in him. We'll see from the text this morning. Do you know what the children of Israel never failed to have the entire time they were in the wilderness? God. God. He was with them the entire step, every step of the way. And what he wanted them to learn is that if the man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And so this morning, if you're saved, God's led you out of Egypt. That's the picture of salvation. He didn't lead you out of Egypt simply to get you out of bondage, but to lead you into victory. And that direction in your life is he's going to choose a course for you that may not be what naturally makes sense for us. But how many of us know God looks into the future and sees what's best? There are people who say, boy, I wish I could have gotten that job, taken that career course and this, but instead I followed the Lord and I didn't do that or I didn't do that. When the Lord is leading, uh, his ways are not as our ways. His thoughts are not as our thoughts. And God would establish right away that he cared for them by not leading them into to ultimate, immediate defeat. God knows what we can handle. I look back at my life and what ministry opportunities God has given and ministry opportunities God has forbidden. I look at some changes in the course of my life and look back and think, praise God, God did not allow me to do that. I would have had a battle with pride and lost it immediately. See, God knows what temptations. The Bible says there are no temptation taking you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. My entire, the entire point I want to see here is that in saving us, God takes over the leadership and direction and care of our soul. The Lord Jesus Christ is actively looking out for what is best for you this morning and His direction and His leadership that is communicated to you through the written Word of God will not be according to what makes sense to us but according to what he knows is best for us. God has not promised not to lead us through dark valleys. He promises to take us through them with his own presence. God does not promise the shortest, easiest, quickest route to victory. He promises one that will ultimately have victory. And God's path that he chose for them demonstrates that he cared for them. He wanted them to be free from bondage, never return and not be defeated. God was looking out for their victory and liberation this morning no one is more concerned about victory over sin in your life than god is god's more concerned about that than you are god's more concerned about the grief of your soul than you are isn't that wonderful to know that's why proverbs 3 5 6 and 7 is there trust in the lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths be not wise in thine own eyes why does god have to put verse 7 there Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Meaning you fear the Lord and you'll depart from evil. Take God at his word. Follow his leadership. Trust his care for your soul. We know Romans 8, 28 so well, but we need to be reminded when we're not in some kind of a life crisis. (laughs) And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. If we always followed our purpose, we would self-destruct. Amen? That's what, hey, listen to me this morning. That's why so many people have self-destructed. They followed their purpose instead of God's purpose and they were a worse bishop of their soul than God would be. 
was talking to a man years ago and he never put his trust in Christ as his Savior so far as I know. We were talking about putting your trust in the Lord and he likened it to being on some kind of a boat. And he said, what you're saying is I need to let my hands off the wheel and let him captain the ship. I said, that's exactly what I'm saying. You need to let him captain the ship. He'll do a better job of of, of directing your life than you will. Let me put it to you this way. Uh, God had saved me as a four-year-old little boy. I put simple childlike faith in him and he saved me. But here's what, here's what I'm thankful for. When I was not conscious of his dealings and workings in my life to make sure I never went back to what he saved me from. There were times God was working to that end and I had no idea. There came a point where I thought, you know what? I can see the direction God is leading me. I don't think that's the best path. I'll never find happiness following God. The, the life of spirituality, the life of godliness, the life of holiness looks like a dry wilderness to me. And I decided to chart my own course. And by the time I was 16, about a three-year period of time, I had made a number of decisions based on my wisdom instead of his wisdom. And I have a a very practical way of thinking. There came a point where I felt like the Lord was saying to me through the preaching of his word, you have now been managing your life for a couple of years without care for what I want. Nevin, how are you doing? And on that day, I got fired. I was a horrid manager of life. I was shepherding my own life and I'd fallen off over a cliff and broken some metaphorical bones, if you would. And my good shepherd had his eye on me the whole time, but he had to let me learn. He is good. I'm a fool. Here we look at Israel and God was, from the day he brought them out of Egypt, he was looking out for what was best for them making sure they never return to the bondage they were in, making sure they not be overcome of an enemy they weren't ready to face. This morning, if God has saved you, trust Him, friend. If He loved you enough to die for you on Calvary's cross, don't you think He knows what's best for your life? Ah, of course He does. Of course He does. So, point number one, the path that God chose for them. Number two in this text, we see the patterns God put before them. God is so gracious to not only choose a path that's best for our lives, but he puts in front of us examples of his faithfulness. Look at verse 19. The Bible says, And Moses, that's the first pattern, took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had straightly sworn the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and ye shall carry up my bones away hence with you. God has two men, one from the past and one from the present, in front of the people of Israel as a picture and a pattern of the faithfulness of God. You think about the life of Joseph. Israel would have been very familiar with the history of their patriarch Joseph, of their forefather Joseph. And here are the bones of Joseph. Somebody might have said to Moses, that that shepherd leader, what is that? You got a coffin? Yes. Before Joseph died 400 years ago almost, he made us promise as a people that we, when we left, would bring his bones, meaning he knew this day was coming. How could Joseph look 400 years into the future? He had the word of God. God had promised Abraham that they were not going into Egypt to stay permanently, only temporarily. And Joseph said, not if you leave, but when you leave, you make sure my bones go. And generation after generation after generation had preserved not only the promise of God, but the testimony of a man that believed God. You you and I have this morning, we have record of people in the Bible who trusted God, men like Joseph, men like Moses. Hebrews 11 is an entire account of people who trusted God and God delivered them and God kept his promises to them, meaning God has put evidence in front of us that he can be trusted. He chooses a path for us that's not based on our understanding but on his wisdom for our, our best interest. 
And then he puts in front of us patterns that we can look at and say, look, God is faithful. We have patterns from the past. We have people that have died, lived and died, lives of faith, and God has blessed them. God gives us in Hebrews 11 the account of Abel and the account of Enoch and the account of Noah and the account of Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob and men like Samson who did not trust God in many aspects of his life, but every place he did, God kept his word. Women like Rahab and Ruth in the Bible who trusted God and God kept his word to them. God has recorded and preserved through the annals of history records of people who trusted. They took God at his word, let God govern their lives. You see, God was the Savior of Israel. They're having to learn what it means for him to be their Lord and Shepherd. And so we have patterns from the past that demonstrate to us the faithfulness of God. Look, if you would, at Hebrews 11 again, or Hebrews 12, where we just came from, and look at it in this context. Hebrews 12, the Lord is reminding Israel and reminding these Hebrew believers of their heritage, their rich heritage. He's reminding us as readers of the Bible of the lives of people who trust Him. So again, Hebrews 11 is called the Great Hall of Faith. Here's a record of person after person after person that God took note. They trusted me and I kept my promises to them. They trusted me to lead them and I led them. They trusted me to govern and guide them and I did. They trusted to provide and I did. Then in Hebrews 12 it says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. What witnesses is he talking about? Some people like to imagine, oh, there's a great grandstand in heaven. Well, there probably is. But the witnesses, it seems to me very plain in the Scripture he's talking about, is all the ones he's just told us. Here are people that can testify and whose lives do testify to the faithfulness of God's leadership. This is the message this morning. God did not only save you to deliver you from hell. He saved you to deliver you unto a life of victory. The only way to have it is to rest in his care for you. Follow the path that he has given you in the Bible, his word directed and confirmed by his Holy Spirit and exemplified in front of you by others who are trusting him. God's still working the same way today. He gives us patterns from the past. He has recorded the record of lives, Old and New Testament alike, of people who trusted him to lead their lives. And God was faithful and it worked together for good. We don't have patterns from the past. We have patterns from the present. Look at Hebrews chapter 13. It's very interesting. Hebrews chapter 12, God points people back to the past. Look at this great cloud of witnesses of people in the past who trusted God and God was faithful. Then Hebrews 13 charges and you follow people that are trusting God now. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5 says, Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Remember them, look at verse 7, Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God. Now what's it say next? Whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation, Jesus Christ. The same yesterday and today and forever. Hebrews thirteen seventeen says, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Do you realize that God is doing in Hebrews 12 and 13 what he did in Exodus chapter 13? He's saying, you have patterns of my faithfulness through people in the past. Israel had the bones of Joseph to remind them, God is faithful. Joseph lived a life that he was persecuted, he was misunderstood, falsely accused, falsely imprisoned. And yet, what did Joseph do? 
He trusted that in his affliction, God had a purpose and a plan, and he did not turn his heart away from God, even when what he... Remember his dream? His dream was that his brethren would bow, but instead he's in a pit. His dream was that that he would be some kind of a ruler, but instead he's in a prison. Wouldn't that be a good time to say, God's word isn't worth believing. I thought God told me I would be exalted and I've been humbled. I thought God told me they would bow, but I'm below them and they're above me. You know what Joseph did? He continued to trust God and God proved himself faithful. My charge to you this morning is your Christian life may not be looking like what you thought it would, but God has not mistaken you. He's not failed you. And we have patterns in past to look to. And God, thank God, puts patterns in the present. People who are trusting God right now. People who have confidence in the Word of God. People that are going to raise their voice and preach to you and say, Look, trust the Bible. Don't trust your emotions. Don't trust the world. Don't trust the world. Don't turn back to Egypt where you came from. No, follow the patterns of faith that God's put in front of you. I charge you this morning, find someone that's trusting God and walk in their shadow. God gave Israel a Joseph and his bones to remind them that God has been faithful in time past and that God will be faithful in the future. But he gave them a Moses as well, someone who's living by faith. On that day, not a perfect man, a man who had problems in his flesh like any other, but a man who was trusting God. And may I say this morning, Christian, it is the will of God for your life to follow those who are following Christ. God does not... Listen, if your idea of living your life is I'll choose my path, then go live in the world because that's how they live. But God has called us to follow Him. Amen? I'll amen that. Amen, that's right. (laughs) That's the will of God. And so God gave them, number one, a path that was a demonstration of His care. How many of us think Israel understood how much God cared for them? I don't think so. No, He took them the long route. In fact, I know they didn't. By chapter 14, they're accusing the pattern, Moses, of leading them in a wrong path. The path was perfect. The pattern was the one God gave them. And they're accusing Moses, you let us out here to die because they had the Red Sea in front of them. They had Pharaoh's army behind them. Now, I say this, there are going to be times in your Christian life where it's going to look like God has led you to a dead end. But friend, he has not. He has not. God does not lead us in wrong paths. And so then the path he gave them was rooted in his wisdom and love and care for them, a course uh, that was for their benefit and blessing. The patterns he gave them was God's faithfulness in the past and God's faithfulness in the future and God's faithfulness in the present. He gave them human beings in front of them to demonstrate what it was like to live by faith. And then number three, God gave them his presence. He not only gave them a good path, he not only gave them gracious patterns, but he gave them his very presence. And he gave them a token to discern his presence. The Bible says, And they took their journey from Succoth and encamped in Etham, we're in Exodus 13 again, in Etham in the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, to go by day and night. You know what that tells me? God was with them 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's why we say it's a picture of the Holy Spirit of God. It's a cloud. It's a vapor, meaning it's substance, but it's it's a representation, a representation of a spirit. It's fire. It has power. It has heat. It has light. But 
the fire throughout the scripture is often a, a, a picture, even as it is in Acts 2, of the Holy Spirit of God. And to the believer in Jesus Christ, the one that's saved today, John 7 says, Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. This he spake of the Holy Spirit of God that he would give to those that believe on him. If you've been delivered by God through faith in Jesus Christ, you have His Holy Spirit with you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And you know what the purpose of the Holy Spirit is in your life? To lead and to guide you into all truth. The Spirit of God will bring all things to your remembrance and guide you and lead you into all truth. Here's what happened. You think forward just a little bit with me. You, this, this crowd this morning, you know your Bibles well enough to know what happened. They get to the Red Sea. The cloud is present. And yet they're questioning whether or not they're doing the right thing. You know what? I believe with all my heart. God, let, me just, let me go forward a little bit. They, they, they begin to make their journey through the wilderness. The cloud has been in front of them now for days and days and days. And when the cloud stops, they stop. And when the cloud goes, they go. Meaning Moses would tell the people this is the way to go. But what he did all the time is follow the cloud. God was showing them by this pillar of cloud. At night, if they moved, there was a pillar of fire that gave warmth and gave heat and gave comfort that God, it was, a, it was a token of God's presence. So that if Moses said, we're going back to Egypt and the cloud stayed over here, you know what they could say? Moses has gone awry. He's left the cloud. You know what God's given you and I today? <laughs> He's given us His Word. He's been kind enough to preserve it in print for us. But greater than that, He gave the author of this book to abide in you as a believer. So that I believe this, when truth is preached, the Spirit of God confirms it in your conscience. Moses said, we're going across the Red Sea. No one had to doubt, was that the will of God? That's where the cloud led them. Meaning, God gave them a good course, but he demonstrated that course and gave them patterns in human form to look to what it looks like to live by faith. But he gave them his presence to confirm that they were not being led astray. I don't know about you, if I were coming out of Egypt having been abused by a pharaoh, I might have a little PTSD over someone leading my life. You reckon? So God gave him a cloud to confirm to them, this man is not leading you in his way, he's leading you in God's way. And this morning, Christian friend, when we, and I don't mean to be unkind, but there's some who may be saying, it's so hard to know the will of God, not if you're saved. No, it's not. The will of God is not a mystery that he hides behind his back. He makes it clear through his word. And if this morning, the only thing confuses us about the will of God is when our hearts get out of kilter and we don't trust him. That's what makes it hard to know the will of God. When we don't trust the Lord, we cannot see his will and way in our lives. But if we're willing to follow, he's certainly willing to lead. And what I want us to see this morning is that God gave them a good path. He gave them godly patterns and he gave them his own gracious presence. Now, here's what the cloud did. Think about this in the analogy between the cloud of, pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. It distinguished the people of God from the people of Egypt. If you read forward, the cloud came when they crossed the Red Sea between Egypt and Israel all night. It came between them to keep Egypt and Israel separate and to keep Egypt from gaining on them and overcoming them. The Spirit of God in our lives and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our, in our lives is what distinguishes us from a lost world. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Meaning every born-again believer has the indwelling Holy Spirit of God. Ephesians chapter 1, I want to read this and we're about to wrap up, says that we are sealed 
by the Spirit unto the day of redemption. Meaning it is the Spirit of God who marks us as belonging to God and preserves us. That's what a seal does. It marks us and preserves us until the day we meet the Lord. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13. We'll just read verse 13. It says, In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also... After that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. I reference Romans 8. I want to turn over there very quickly and read this. The Bible says in verse 16, uh, verse 15, For we have not received uh, the spirit of bondage, again, to fear, but we have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be we suffer with, that we suffer with him, that we may also be also glorified together. Uh, the Bible makes it abundantly clear uh, that the believer in the Lord Jesus Christ has the Spirit of God and is sealed by the Spirit. Our position in Christ is confirmed by the Holy Spirit, His Spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God, children of God. And again, it's Romans 8 that tells us, verse 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God, for you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, so on and so forth, we just read. And so then, the Holy Spirit in our lives, His presence, like the cloud by day and the fire by night, was present with them 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Even so, God did not just give them a good course. He did not just give them patterns, but He gave them His very presence to confirm His leadership in their lives. So then, if they didn't follow the Lord's leadership, what was the real problem? Unbelief. Distrust. And so on the reproof side of things this morning, if God has given you clear direction through His Word and the confirmation of that by His Holy Spirit, if God has given you patterns to say this is what it looks like to live by faith, so God has outlined a course for you to take, then His Holy Spirit within you has confirmed, yes, the course that you are being led on and you're having exemplified in front of you, I am confirming that is my will for your life. How many of us know not going through the land of the Philistines and going the way of the Red Sea was the will of God for the nation of Israel? On paper, it doesn't make any sense. But God in His wisdom knew exactly what He was doing. So the only thing that would have kept them from doing that was distrust. The only thing that made them murmur Along the way, for 40 years in the wilderness, was not that God had not provided for their, lead, for their direction, not that they didn't know that it was God's direction, but that they did not trust His leadership for their life. So on the reproof side of things this morning, if you have been, had revealed to you the will of God and you are not wholeheartedly resting in His leadership in your life, it's just distrust. On the encouragement side today, if you're in a spot and you know you got there by obeying God, but fear is filling your heart and you say, I know I have made the decisions I've made in my life at this point because of what the Word of God says and because of the leadership He's given me and the Spirit of God I know confirmed me, but it doesn't look like it's working. Friend, I can't tell you the number of Christians I know that are, that are in this spot or have been. I'm doing what God said in His Word. I'm doing what others that, that are before me have shown me how to do by faith, but man, it looks like we're trapped into utter defeat. The encouragement side this morning or the exhortation to you is, no, 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 no. God knows exactly what he's doing. Trust him. Trust him. He has given you his Holy Spirit to distinguish you from the world, to defend you. You know what that cloud did? It kept what was light to Israel was darkness to Egypt. 
You can read that in Exodus 14. What the cloud did is it showed Israel where to go, and all night long it gave them light. But all night long the Egyptians said, where'd they go? Where'd they go? Do you realize lost people often, they cannot understand the direction of our lives. And it keeps us from going back and joining them in sin again. There's a line of distinction between the unbeliever and the believer, and it's marked by the presence of God. God in the life by the Holy Spirit of God, the believer, keeps there from being a fellowship reunited with the unbeliever. And I'm just trying to say this morning, it's, God's presence is a defense to us. The Bible says that, that we come to him like a little chicks do under the wings of a hen. He is an ever-present help. He is a, a, a present help in time of trouble. He is a refuge, a high tower. All these terms are used. God's presence in our life distinguishes us from the world, defends us uh, from going back, but gives us direction in the way we should go again today. Go, if you would, with me to John chapter 16 as we close. When the Lord saved you, when you put your trust in him, he did not only justify you, making you fit for heaven and saving you from hell. He gave you his Holy Spirit to lead you and to guide you and to direct you so that you and I may be his servants and serve him faithfully. John chapter 16, the Bible says in verse uh, 12, I have yet many things to say to, unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. By the way, hasn't he done that? Isn't this book the book of the Holy Spirit of God? All scriptures give given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, meaning you can know what's true. For reproof, you can know the wrong way to go and get back on course for correction, for instruction and righteousness. We have the mind of the Spirit in our hands, and if you're saved, you have it in your heart. And God today is ready and willing and working to lead your life and mine. And the shadow of salvation we see in this text today is when God saved us, He didn't just save us and say, good luck on your journey. God put before us a right course, and one day at a time, as we mind His leadership, we are carrying out a course not that we chart for ourselves. God has a course for your life. And the way to find it is mind the leadership of the Holy Spirit through the Bible, follow people that are living by faith, look back and know that God has been faithful in the past, He'll be faithful in the future, He's faithful today. And what, however this message applies to you in particular today, whatever specific application the Spirit of God has given in your life for direction day, whether it be to say, you know what, I'm no longer going to take the course of deceit and dishonesty. I'm going to walk only in truth. If I cannot be a person of truth, it's not a course for me. I'm not going to walk in, an, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a path of, uh, uh, of, of lust uh, for money and covetousness and envy. I know that God is, and it has some practical implications today. You may say, you know what, I'm going to walk in purity and holiness. And you may be here and say, that's what I've been doing, but it looks like God has brought me to a dead end. No, 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 no. Ask this, has the Lord left me? He said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So as the Lord gives you direction through his word today, God reminds you of his faithfulness in time past, reminds you of his faithfulness today and his faithfulness in the future. What should we do? Same thing the children of Israel do, follow him right across the Red Sea. Amen? Just follow the Lord. You say, how, how practical. Yes, and I assume that in this group of people this morning, the Lord has made his mind known to you in some area of life. and You may be questioning his leadership. You may not be following him as you should. So the message can have a number of applications. It could be, I need to repent this morning. My heart may be saying, I just want to go back 
and I, it would be easier just to live in sin. No, no, no. God saved you from that. Today we need to follow in obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm.